Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. You know, on Sundays, I always, I always just, I, I come away with really great stories. People always just have testimonies, and so it's really nice to get testimonies like of what people have been saying and doing. And probably my favorite one from today, this is from a family who were kind of newer to us. And um, they're getting to know me and Clayton too, right? And they're, they're a great family. They're beautiful. And they have kids of similar ages to ours as well. And, um, but um, um, the, the husband today tells Clayton, just right at the end, when people are clearing out rooms, you know, service is done, people are going home. And he goes, he goes, I'm so glad, like, Romy was vibrating and then explained it. Because I sat there vibrating in the meeting and I didn't know why or what was happening to me. <laughs> so, so, so I'm like, I'm like, like giggly because I just find that the Holy Spirit is so kind. Because if it hadn't happened to me, he'd be sit left, like, like going home going, why was I shaking through the meeting so much? But because God did it to me and in front of everyone so that I'm explaining what's happening when the presence comes... I was able to put some language to what the Holy Spirit was doing in him at the time in the meeting. Like, isn't God so kind? <laughs> so, so I find I'm, I'm feeling quite giggly happy because I just, that, that God, the goodness of God, we just sometimes go through our day and miss it because we just go through thing to thing to thing to thing, distracted by phones <laughs> so, or whatever it is, like, you know, you're busy, so there's a to-do list and or, you know, work and pain bills and you're organising life and there can be that order to your life that can cause you to stop um, paying attention to when God is trying to break through, right? And God wants to break through into every day, multiple moments a day and remind you that he's right there with you and carry you through the rest of your day. Right, and so that's that's like today's little picture of me standing there vibrating and then explaining it to the congregation because there's people in there seeing that happen to me for the first time, right? So to give some help and context, there's a man sitting in a way back row, and it, he'd been doing it for 15 or so minutes, going, "What is happening to me? Oh, it's happening to her too. Must be okay." <laughs> and then and then and then so I explained it so even more when he's like oh it's actually this is good and it's God and he can touch a person's life this way but that's just the kindness of God he's just really beautiful he's just beautiful yeah yeah and so and so so for the for the few um I mean it's probably Three months now. We've been um, quite quite intentional talking about um, how, how we are in community. Like I'm I'm part of Seashore family, like you all are, and and how how I turn up in the community and how I love people and how I have my own um, my own life in in such a way so that I can turn up in the community and love and give things to people and set things down into the community that can help others and learn to grow myself and walk into maturity myself. That's been the conversations. It's just the relational side of being part of a church family so walking through relational accountability how to love people how to love difficult people what if people really are difficult still how to love them but create boundaries right so we've been talking about this and and will for a little while longer um but there's an aspect to it that i haven't really touched on i don't think we have a little bit one of the couple one of the sunday nights and we were talking about the philippians 2 um um, it's, it's on, it's on, we're going to start dumping these Sunday nights into the podcast too. Uh, we touched on it just a couple of weeks ago and I'm only going to touch on this aspect tonight a tiny bit, but to set it up for coming weeks, um, the, the humility of Jesus Christ is outlined in Philippians two. And, um, it says that, um, he thought it nothing to be like God. And what it says is that he emptied himself of all of his own, um, initiative, opinion, ability, self-governance, self-determination, presumption. He emptied himself of his own um, wanting to live life his own way so that he could live really humbly before God and his humility was so demonstrated in obedience, even obedience unto death, right? And so that's, that's the Philippians 2 portion. Um, but I'm, so I'm going to use that a little bit tonight as a jump off just to talk to us about, about humility um, 
it's not talked about too much in church. And there's even if you even look, if you even look and search for um, books, because there's you know there's Christian there's a Christian um, book industry. It's like thousands and thousands and thousands of books in the Christian book industry. It's multi multi mega million dollar, probably in the billion dollar range, because just libraries full. And that's not a bad thing. I'm saying that's a good thing. But 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 humility. There's not that many books on humility. Isn't that funny to think? Like they're just not sell, they're not hot sellers. <laughs> wants, I'm going to read about humility. God, bring it to me. <laughs> so, and um, but but that doesn't take away the truth of it. Is that it's one of the number one um, characteristics of who Jesus was when he walked as a man and attributes of God even now, like all through history till now, like the humility of the Father even, that the humility of Jesus that he stepped out of heaven, his heavenly abode, and condescended to become like us, take on human form, live like us, breathe breathe the air we breathe, eat the food we eat, have to do with the hygiene stuff. Like that doesn't happen in heaven, right? And so that's a weird thought. <laughs> isn't it? Um, but um, so he, there's a condescension in that sense, right? But he, but he humbled himself to become like us. And so if he can do that from his high heavenly place, and he did it by the way, to become like us, to bring us back up to our heavenly place, right? But we are only brought back up to our heavenly place when we realize why he did it. It was through his humility. And we're brought up to our heavenly place only when we take on that same humility, Right? So I have, um, I have some notes. I think I'll try to stick to them a little bit because I actually want to read some scripture. Um, the self-determining or that self-governing um, aspect. This is, this is what Jesus said um, in John 8, verse 28 and 29. Um, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. I think that's really beautiful because, as I said, Jesus did not, even though he was God, did not walk around here on the earth determining his own life and plans and life and lifestyle choices. And he lived every day just to please the Father. I always do what pleases him. I always do what pleases the Father's heart. That's a really beautiful concept more than a concept it's a way of life right um but i always do what pleases the father imagine imagine because the invitation is for us imagine if from tonight and for the rest of our lives every day and moments through each day we stop ourselves and just go i want the next thing that i'm doing here with my afternoon or my evening or the first thing in the morning i want this day to be something that's just pleasing to you and to bring worship to you um, there's a song that I keep listening to on the new Bethel album, the simple album, and there's a line in the song and it says, um, um, it's, it's about everything being worship, and there's a line, it's like a prophetic piece, even with a sink full of dishes. <laughs> I can do them, I can do the dishes, and with my heart attitude that's to please you, it's to serve the family members, but even when I'm doing dishes, it's worship to you and it's taken into your heart, Right? And so we can, we have the ability to live every day in that place of worship, just this worshipful, I'm pleasing you. Everything I'm doing is pleasing you. And what, and what that will create in your own spirit and your own uh, heart, thinking and mind is a, um, um, a little bit of a break on the parts of our personality that might rise up too quickly or the parts of our personality that might get irritated too quickly. So it's actually, it's the thing that'll teach us self-control, right? Because now I'm, now is this conversation pleasing you? Now is what I'm doing pleasing you? And, and, and if there's a change in my heart, because it's the training of our heart and the intention of what we're doing, intentioning with our mouth about what we're speaking, intentioning with our heart about what we're focusing on and how we're living open lives before people, it's the intentioning of everything I can do can be something just to bring praise back to your name and honor back to your name and please you. And, and that, that's, that's the beginning process of um, humility. To live lives that are just going to please the Father. 
It's, it's, it's really the thing that's going to, because we can, different things can bring humility into our lives. We can do dumb things and that can be extremely humiliating to us, right? But that's the lessons from making mistakes. But we can be intentional instead. Far better to be intentional and avoid the humiliation because I've messed up so bad. We can be intentional and go, I just want my whole life to glorify you. I want my whole life to be something pleasing to you. And he takes that and he'll make a lot more of that. And the lessons on that side are much more beautiful and they're done in glory versus the pain of humiliation or the shame of humiliation, right? Because I just keep doing dumb stuff and I keep screwing up. And then I sit under that for a while, let my mind go there too much, sit under the shame of it, regret, right? There's two ways we can learn this. And so it's just that we, we can choose, we can choose humility. And Jesus did as our example, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit who is empowering us into this life, just like Jesus, okay? Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from Psalms, just a couple of scriptures from Psalms. Psalm, Psalm 9, 12, verse 12, just says, God does not forget the cry of the humble. Psalm 10, 12, he does not Forget the humble person. Psalm 10:17. God hears the cries of the humble person. 18:17 says God saves the humble person. 25 verse 9. He leads and guides the humble person. He teaches them his ways. As the Holy Spirit is our teacher, right? He wants to lead us and teach us and guide us every single day. And he fills us, right? But it's the person who's really humble, who's been emptied, like Jesus emptied himself. Back to the Philippians 2. That's not what we're talking about tonight. Jesus emptied himself. We can empty ourselves of our ego. We can empty ourselves of our self-determination, our self-governance, and our willfulness. And the more we do that, the more Holy Spirit has room in us to fill us, anoint us, lead and guide us and really be our teacher through life, right? And it really has to do with how much of God do I want or how much of my own ego do I want? It's really a very easy, it's pretty simple and basic when you think about it like that. Do I want my ego? Do I want my opinions? Do I want my self-determined ways? Or do I want Holy Spirit leading me, right? Okay, so that was Psalm 25 verse 9. He leads and guides the humble and teaches them his ways, Psalm 75, sorry, 76, verse 9. When God arises to judge the earth, and I do believe he's doing it right now. When God arises to judge the earth, he saves all the humble who are on the earth. Like those who are just willing to just trust him no matter what. And when it doesn't make sense, especially when it doesn't make sense. Right? Psalm 147, verse 6. God sustains the humble. He lifts them up. Another translation, same verse, another translation says he exalts them. I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, Psalm 149 verse 4 says, God crowns the humble with victory. I think that's pretty great. Um, Proverbs 3 verse 34 says, God gives favor to the humble. Another translation says, God gives more grace to the humble. Right. What, what I'm using these scriptures Four is to get you to understand there is a value from heaven on the humble heart. God places a huge, like extreme value on that. I mean, everybody's loved, everybody's precious, everybody's valuable to God, but there's something about the heart that is just really bowed low before God that he goes, that one. I can make myself known to that one. I can pour out revelation to that one. I can pour myself into that one. I know they're going to fulfill my will, Right. And so it's the because he knows the person with a humble heart is not going to run around doing their own thing and making up their own plans and their own agendas and their own ambition is fully just being yielded and surrendered over to the Lord, right? And so there's that value for heaven. There's a, there's, there is there is a, like a heavenly attention, like a spotlight on people who are willingly just going to go, I'm going to subject my will. I'm going to set it aside to run with yours. I'm going to put aside... Um, wrong fears that would cause me to create control mechanisms around about my life so that you can be the one who's in control and directing my life, right? And so there is that, there is like that heavenly attention on the humble heart. So, all right. So you'll know this verse. Um, 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 
Matthew, Matthew 18, verse 3, um, Jesus is speaking and he says, um, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So I'm reading it again. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Like a child, two-year-old, three-year-old child, the vulnerable, dependent one on the parent, can't make his own meals, can't change his own clothes, can't wash them, can't, you know, belly's learning to go to the toilet and clean up that mess. (laughs) Hygiene. But the dependent one. So it's the whoever humbles himself and lives dependent like this little child... May as well say that. Whoever humbles himself and lives dependent like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When we are living really dependent on God, right? Which, which again, to live really dependent on God, think about this, what it means. In our Western mindset, we're actually not that dependent. We've been taught to be dependent on our own means, self-ambition, the running after the 401k, the retirement funds, running after career, getting the degrees to get the career, uh, be dependent, you know, this self-promotion is huge, right? Self, like the social media world made self-promotion rampant, right? And so all that stuff, just it's all about self, self can do for the self. And God is actually really opposite to the kind of life that God wants us to live, which is fully dependent on him for our even very breath and next meal. Um, and... Um, the Western world is wealthy, and so we don't understand what this looks like in the um, poor countries. One is Mozambique, and there's a book by um, um, what's her name? Um, it's Love. There's a book by Heidi Baker. Thank you, thank you. There's a book by Heidi Baker, and it's on the um, Beatitudes, and it is a great book. But what she's done is with the, each beatitude is just a chapter and she has brought into each beatitude, into each chapter then, the context from the African child who is fully dependent on the Lord, who has nothing, doesn't have an income, most of the time doesn't even know when the next meal is coming, right? And so in the beatitude, she likens our lives here in the Western world to the child in Africa who, who she's literally saying you have to become like this child in Africa who does not know when lunch is coming and maybe lunch is not even coming a guaranteed till next week. And, but because this child lives so dependent, miracles happen like daily. And so they're normal. The, the supernatural miracle provision has been normalized into their world because they live so dependent. And she actually said it's harder to live dependent on God in the Western world because we have our needs met all around about us and someone else will step up and help us if we don't. Wealthy nation. We're in a very extremely wealthy nation. So so it's not that, it's not that we're better or worse off or, you know, there's pros and cons everywhere. It's not about that. God knows he puts you in this nation for a reason. He's got reason and call and strategy for it. But in that, understand, we can still live lives of complete dependence on God, setting aside our, any kind of thought of dependence on the other things. And it's not that we're not good stewards of our money and we're not creating business and creating wealth. We are, and we're doing it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. But as we're doing it, we're living more and more dependent every day anyway. And so even though money might be there, we can still be the dependency is not upon the money, which, by the way, Jesus calls mammon. It's an ancient Chaldean god from pre-Babylonian god, mammon, the word. If you've ever you heard that word associated with money, that's why he said you can't serve two masters because if you're serving the money master, you're actually serving, serving the demon god, mammon. It's a principality over money. And so... Um, so it's just without the dependency on that, that becomes something that serves... The purposes that God has got you doing in the earth as you are creating and you are running businesses and you are just uh, whatever whatever your hand is doing, like whatever job that you have, right? Money becomes something that serves God's strategy on your life and God's purpose on your life, not back to front. And you, then we still live dependent, dependent on what's the strategy then for my business? What's the strategy for my career choice? What's the strategy for us running our church? What's the strategy for the decisions on who we, when we start things, when we stop things, when, you know, house churches, whatever, whatever the strategies are, like the, the dependency to allow the Holy Spirit to be leading every day and, and really be Lord over my life means he's leading every single day, right? Um, I'm going to read it from that. Amplified, same as Matthew 18, verse 3. 
I assure you, most solemnly, I say to you, unless you repent, which is change your mind and change your inner self, your old way of thinking and, and change your life and become like one of these children, which means to trust him, be humble before him and forgive everyone in the world that's ever done anything against you, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That's really wordy, isn't it? The Amplified is really wordy, but it actually, why it's so wordy is they try and combine all of the Greek meaning from the word, right? And they're just trying to stuff the sentence full of lots of the Greek meaning. So it's well worth listening, but it's talking about trusting God so completely so that you can live humbly before him, fully dependent on him, trusting him in everything. That's what the Amplified version is saying. We talk about in church life, um, Christmas time, Christmas tree right here. We talk about in church life, the two-year-old or the five-year-old or even the ten-year-old, they run to the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. They're looking for their name on the tag for their present. And they know it's theirs, right? They rip it open. They know it's theirs. They're enjoying themselves and they are having the best time with their new whatever it is, the present that they've just unwrapped. They're not questioning, are my parents really giving this to me? Is it really mine? Are you sure? Can I open it now? Should I not open it now? Should I wrap it back up and give it back to you for someone else? Right? The child is like, this is mine. And no one's going to take it away from them. <laughs> right? Right? But, but, but that's the kind of way we need to be with the faith life and the dependency that we have with God and the, our ability to trust his every word at any moment. It's something he's giving to us and wants us to own it like that child on Christmas Day. Right? It, it's, it's a great example. Right, of just absolute, oh my gosh, God just said this, I'm owning it. And sometimes maybe God just said this, I don't really completely understand it, so I'll write it down and date it and keep praying about it until I do, but I'm owning it. <laughs> right? So you might sometimes be waiting for the more and you might be waiting, but even God knows that. So why not trust him in the middle? Anyway, we're trusting him through it all, through all the process when he says something or gives something. It might not be to start. A new ministry, it might not be to start a new business right away. There might be a creative idea or a strategy given. It might not be that you start it right that day. It might be that he's just dropping it in you and letting it sit in you because, you know, if you're making coffee, it's, it's got to percolate for a while. <laughs> so, so sometimes the God ideas will take time. But all of it is just learning to trust him in the process and, and allowing back to the beginning part of learning to worship him through it and live lives that just please him through it. So we're not running ahead of his agenda, even though they're his ideas. We're still waiting on his timing and, and learning all through the process just to live lives of this, this all-out all out dependence on God and, and worship. It's, and our dependence on him, he takes into his heart as worship. Isn't it? It's great to think about, right? So, okay, I'm going to read to you this from Isaiah somewhere here. Um, and I love this. I love this because it's what I was trembling today in front of everyone. <laughs> so um, Isaiah 66, um, verse 1 and 2. Um, this is, this is um, God speaking. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? And I feel like he's saying that too because, we, you know, humans, we've taken pride in the things we've built with our hands. And look, God, isn't it beautiful? And he's like, no, I, I make so much more beautiful. He's like, well done. But really, what? I'm the creator. <laughs> so it's not that he puts us down, but we take pride in the things that we've built and we're not supposed to. It's not that we can't even do amazing things. We can, and he's still championing that, and he champions the excellence that we put to things, but they're not where we should be deriving any pride from, or like a wrong pride, boastful, right? So he's like, he's like where is the house you'll build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Because everything we have has come from him. So has not my hand made all these things? And so, uh, and so they came into being because I created them, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and those who tremble at my word. The trembling at the word, right? The trembling often, not every time, but when you can read tremble in scripture sometimes it's right back in the hebrew or the greek and it just it can mean that vibrate you'd like to rejoice when we are rejoicing also it's actually vibrating with the power and the presence of god right i think that's pretty great so that's why sometimes when it when i feel the presence and i start trembling like that i'm like yes <laughs> so, 
sometimes sometimes it hurts if it goes for a long time like I get cramps in my legs but anyway um, the trembling at his word right so for us to be really dependent and have that heart that's really going to trust and that heart that's going to live so dependent we have to make sure that his word is what is the priority of our life we 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 his word is the word to our life the most vital thing to us above and over any other thing anybody would ever say any person in your life would ever say any church leader would ever say his word his the scriptures his word but also even his revelation word into you is the thing that trumps everything in this life right because even the very thing that set this life in motion was he said, let there be light. Like it, his word is what triggered the creation being created, right? It's the first thing. It'll be the last thing. Jesus is, I am the alpha and the omega. That's the first and the last. But Jesus is also the word. Let there be light. The word went forward and created, right? So we tremble at his word, but it's actually also we tremble because Jesus is in the room, right? Understand because all of language, he like that's what the logos, logos. That's what that's what the word means. Logos comes from um, legal Greek word, and it just means word upon word, thought upon thought, sentence upon sentence, until you have a language. Even the language that we use and speak with every day, that's what he's he's wrapped himself up in, so that we can understand him and communicate back and forth with him all the time. And by the way, back to this morning, what we're talking about sound. Language is sound, right? And if we, can, if we can allow him to blow up in our hearts in a bigger way, increase our ability to capture revelation. And, and, and so imagine, imagine like an atomic bomb going up. You can see like bomb clouds, right? The mushroom clouds or, or um, you know, imagine, imagine to allow that to sort of bombs, like nuclear bombs going off in your heart revelation coming into your heart sometimes it can feel like that in the heart but ask him to show you his bigness how big he is because when when you start to really expand how big your understanding of how and and we'll barely scratch the surface this side of even eternity right but but he still wants us to try (laughs) so it's like god show me i want to know how big you are i want to see the bigness and be brought into this because it increases our faith which then increases our ability to depend upon him and increases our ability to have faith to trust his word over any other word that might come to us. It increases our humility because we see him as he really is and because we see him as he really is, we see ourselves as we really are. And it's like, it's like an amoeba on the sun. <laughs> Gone, burnt up to a crisp. <laughs> like that's... The comparison, not that we're amoebas to God, but in comparison to who he is and who we are, he says we are but a breath, our lives, right? Yet, at the same time, we are the most precious and the thing that he crowned, the crowning glory of all his creation is us, our heart, our lives, right? So like the amoeba on the sun comparison is good to understand the size value and, and then we can really trust this one and humility, oh my gosh, that's really the humility aspect I should have. Yet, he cares about the amoeba. <laughs> so, does that make sense? So he just, he just is, um, the, the, that blood, that song, the blood, precious, how precious, how precious, that was shared because of our preciousness, right? And so he's just got bajillions of amoebas his children, his people, he just loves us all so much and there's such preciousness in us and so we can even start to walk in that understanding of that love and receive from that love when we, it's, it's the understanding the humility from his size to our size our dependence from, from he, his creator God, all powerful, of course I'll trust him but then also, oh this one then came as a man like me and calls me so precious like this, then yeah, I can walk really humbly before him to receive what he wants to give me. His own blood was shed for me. And so it can really change the way we operate internally to really allow his humility to work in our heart in a right way. Is that all right? Time of it. Okay. <clears throat> so... I like this quote. I don't even have to read it because I just I read it so many years ago and it just is like, dang it. 
is good, but also not good. C.S. Lewis said, <laughs> C.S. Lewis said, I know I still have pride in my heart when I'm irked at someone else's pride. <laughs> I was like, that's why I was like, dang it. I don't like it, but I do like it. Because... <laughs> But that's why we do community. That's why we do church family. Because we're in church family together, we're supposed to live lives together, the togetherness, um, because I rub off on people and they rub off on me and they show me because I'm rubbing up. They show me, I'm shown my humanity when I'm in relationship with someone else and then I can, I can be before the Lord going, I'm really sorry about this. I want to love this person and this person and I want to operate in community beautifully. And so the pride is the thing that breaks community and ruins unity, right? God wants unity in his family. And so we do, he's ordered us into family. He's literally, the word ordains, he ordains us into family, right? Because he, he's so smart and he knows where we need to be, where we need to land and the people we do need to do relationship with because he knows that I need something that you have and that you, you have something that, I, like we have this reciprocal thing going on. You, like you put, you feed me and I feed you and that's the way it's meant to be. We, we meet each other's needs in ways that we, sometimes we just walk through life and don't even realise it, right, in the church family. But he wants us to be really intentional about this. But we do it through humility and in that place of humility, um, in the Ephesians in chapter 1, it's just talking, um, actually, for the first three chapters, you can, you can count how many times it says one. Um, God is one, one God, three persons, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father. And there's no hierarchical order, right? They're all God sharing the same essence, and they're one. And Ephesians 3, 1, 2, and 3 chapters says we are one and I want my people to be one over and over and over and over and it is for Jesus because Jesus came so that you could be one and one back to us, reunited back to us, right? Humility is the thing that the foundation is laid so that we can live in unity and really be able to operate in love. When I say operate, I mean because everybody has like a worldview that they operate from, right? And so um, we, 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 we literally all through the whole family, church family, we're meant to be so, uh, like, life upon, like, back to Lego, Logos means the word, Lego is smaller uh, root word for Logos, which means um, brick upon brick upon brick upon brick. We're meant to be life upon life upon life upon life upon life upon life until you build it up into a great big wall. Because we're living stones, Right, and that's what the church family is supposed to look like when we just come together. I've seen it in the spirit, actually. When we can, when we, it's actually very beautifully. Um, the brick upon brick is heart upon heart. It's life upon life, right? And so, a person might turn up into my world in the church family, and doesn't mean. I have to have it all together or they have to have it all together because we're imperfect and we're all in process. But my ability to walk humbly with them means I can keep my love on all the time towards them in such a way that can love them into more healing and more wholeness and writing of their identity. And I hope that it's coming back to me too for the same reason and the same purpose. And that's why we do family, right? It's the love relationships and the foundation for it is humility. Right? Um... I'm going to just give you the Greek, just a little, I'm going to read this a little bit because I, I want to make sure I get it all out. Well, I'll tell you. We know the, we know the Shema is the Hebrew word. It's S-E-M-A, but it's sh, just Hebrew. It's added the sound, sh sound. The Shema is the, is the word for obedience, the Hebrew word for obedience, and it, and it means to hear and obey. Well, the same word in Greek for hear and obey is um, hapuko. Or because aku is listen, but but you put hypo like hyper and hypo the, the H Y on the front of aku, it's hyper aku hyper listening means I'm not only just listening for listening's sake, I'm listening to obey. Right, so it's hypercues high. It's hard actually. <laughs> I can read it. I can't speak speak as well. And um, that hyper aku. Is that so? So it's intensifying the listening aspect. So hearing with the intention to obey. Yeah, and so, but it's it. So we understand what hyper 
the, our, what we use the word, hyper, hyperactive child, right? Hyper-listening. Just think about this, right? In the Greek, the Greek word for it is, translates to hyper, I am hyper-listening <laughs> to God. <laughs> I am hyper, like hyper-alert, on hyper-alert, hyper-listening to God because I want to obey him with everything that I am. I want to live dependent upon him with everything that I am. It's pretty great, right? Like, he's so smart. Even in, like I'm talking about language development and how like sentence upon sentence and how languages are even formed and it all just comes back and points to him anyway. doesn't matter what language we talk about. Yeah. So I find that he's, he's so incredibly brilliantly smart and creative and strategic even in language he's hidden himself to go, oh, the Greek word for obedience is hyper-listening. <laughs> Trembling at his word from the Isaiah scripture, he... Just gives his attention to those who are humble with contrite hearts who are um, uh, tremble at his word. Trembling at his word is the hyper listening. And if that place, if, if our hearts, if our hearts are in that place to really obey him, that's the humility. It takes it actually takes humility to obey him. I want to explain something. Um, the church and um, I, f- I feel like it's an English thing, right? Because they're kind of like stoic, right? like stoic and emotionless and like, and, and it's a value to be really controlled over the emotions. It's like a hangover from the British empire, right? We're, we're, we're throwing it off here in America now. It's like good bringing back because the Africans are so passionate, right? They just dance and passionate and sing and there's joy and unafraid to express, right? So, so good. But that's, and that's more like what, how Jesus is very expressive, right? And so, but so there's a hangover from, from the English of the, the intellectual class that's this stoic, controlled, self-controlled. And to really do that is, well, that must be really what humble people do because there's so much self-control over the emotions. It's false. It's really false. The self-control is not about trying to push down and stop and be, look, look meek and have the right thing to say every time and be so well-mannered. And that's humble. No. Humility is to so know who God is, like the sun comparison to the amoeba. So know who God is that I know my own place is the amoeba, right? But with that, knowing that he so loves me that he fills that little amoeba with himself. And so now I better walk around like I'm his son or daughter. So brave and so full of faith and so ready to obey him every moment on everything about everything because he's empowering me to do it and he just wants people in the world who will. That's what real humility looks like. And so real humility, you know we sing that lion song, that brave, that lion song, and it's roar. I'm like, go, people, sing, sing, right? Because he wants us to get up like lions, like throw off, we're the amoeba, but not really the amoeba, really like a massive, big, raging, roaring lion on the inside because the Holy Spirit is in here and he's empowering us to do all God's will. And people who will live humbly before the Lord will know who they are before the Lord and will be filled fully by the Holy Spirit to get up and go do everything Holy Spirit's asking them to do, right? And so... And so humility, we, we've got it wrong. It's not like this meek, quiet, well-mannered, don't say a word because I'm just well-mannered and I'm meek. I talk softly and I use all the right scriptures. In fact, it's actually quite false humility a lot of the time, right? Another side to the false humility is um, it can be heard in the speech. Um, I'm going to ask you to do this, right? Be, um, we can live so honestly before people if we're living really honestly before God, which is humility. I'm living really honestly before God, allowing him in here to have his way fully. He breathes on that and that's, that's that humble place. I don't hold anything back. I don't hide, right? That's part of the humility, right? But when we're living like that, we're not trying to put on airs and impress others with our speech, right? But if you bump into people who start trying to impress you with their speech and sometimes do it in such a way that it sounds right and it's all religiously right and the scriptures through it. Do you know that's a religious spirit often looking humble as false humility because we have no need to impress other people ever. And if we're busy trying to impress other people, it means we're not humble. It means we're looking to impress them, looking for them to feed our ego 
It's the opposite. The ego, where the ego is fed and the things that people do to feed their ego, literally like it's like the ego meter and the humility meter. They go like meter. They go <laughs> like that, right? And so, so literally with, your, with discernment, like watch for this, like be aware of it in our own hearts, but also be aware even in family, in the case of family, and help people out of that because we don't need to go around trying to impress people. We don't need to go around boasting about stuff. We can just be really fully free ourselves in that place of perfect trusting peace in him, knowing he's got me at five, five-year-old present under the tree is mine, <laughs> right, fully. He loves me fully. He's filled me fully with the Holy Spirit. I am known and I am loved, right? And so no, no one can take that away from you if you just keep going into that place before him of going again, God, okay, God, who created everything, you're with me here now, sitting even in this room and f- like filling this space here, right? Remembering who he is constantly is the thing that's just going to keep bringing that place in your heart back to a place of that yielded surrender humility before him the humility just to trust him the humility to to just be obedient in every moment all right um i'm going to give you just from the greek humble or humility there's three different greek words they're really similar but it just it obviously you know it's humble to make low to make humble a lowly position it doesn't mean lowly position in the world so much as lowly position of my heart before the Lord, understanding who I am and who he is, right? Um, Lowliness of mind means I am putting my mind down to raise up his, his will, putting my choices down to pick his choices, putting my, my opinions. um, I think it's Romans three says, don't be, don't be in love with your own opinions, right? Putting my own thinking, my own logical reasoning, my own opinions and the things that I love to talk about. Subjecting them to take his thoughts and his, his will and his word as the priority, right? That's another, that's another meaning for the word humble. Um, tapanao or tapanos is the Greek word, but that doesn't... So uh, it, it translates, directly translates to an inner dependence on God, like the inner world, the inner part of me, just fully dependent on God. And that's what he, he delights. The Heidi Baker book, she said this of the children in Mozambique. She said um, they, they are so dependent for even every morsel that's fed them of bread, right? But we need to learn to be so dependent like that and intention in our heart to be dependent even in our heart for the very breath in our lung in the same way that they would be dependent on their next meal to intention. So we've got to work a little harder in this wealthy nation, right? But intentionally set our affections that we become dependent for his very word at every moment on anything. And we can train ourselves to do that because the Bible tells us to do that. If the Bible tells us to do it, it means we can, right? Empowered by the Holy Spirit into it. So the Bible never asks us to do anything that we're not empowered to do by the Holy Spirit. We might need his help a lot, right? But, um, but it's just that constant practice of the presence of God, that constant practice of the Holy Spirit, and we just really train ourselves into this more every day. And that's the purposes of God for our heart, for our life, is that we look more like Jesus and that intentional practice of his presence, that intentional practice of humility and dependence upon God every day, living just like Jesus in the humility, same humility, we become more like Jesus every day. That's, that's God's intention for us. We literally just look more like Jesus every day. Yeah. Anyway. So I think, I think that'll do. I think that'll do. Um, it's not... I'm going to explain a story. And you'll hear, you'll understand where this comes from because I say this constantly and I really mean it and I really want it to be something that our our community understand and own themselves, right? I will never be an expert in anything except I'm I'm becoming an expert lover of Jesus. But I'll never be an expert because the moment I call myself an expert, I've stopped learning (laughs) or slowed it significantly. So I'm never an expert, 
right? So we say that a lot. We just say that very generally. I'm very intentionally say that and, and seed it into people's conversations all the time that I'm having with people <laughs> so they understand that if I, if I stay never an expert but curious like a child, like the childlike verse that I used at the beginning, um, if, if, stay like a child who is just ready and wanting to learn but like the Mozambique child who's not only wanting is so hungry for it because they're literally their stomach is hungry for food right but they stay hungry for God to meet the need in them and what is happening what's her name what's her name again I just forgot her name Heidi Baker thank you I always I have a friend in Australia called Emma Baker and so I'm always thinking, Emma Baker. No, it's Heidi Baker. And I, I get that. They get mixed. So like Heidi Baker was talking about these children who literally are starving, hungry, their bellies hurt for their next meal. That's the level of dependence they live on, right? Their bellies are in pain for their meal, the next meal. But we can live the same way, not that our bellies are in pain, but with that trembling before his word, ready and waiting for that. I need you to speak to me. I want you to speak to me. Not only do I want you to, I delight to hear your word, right? It's the pleasure. I get this great pleasure of hearing from you, right? It's that I, I live for every breath that you pour into me and every word that you speak to me, because that is my life. That is my very life, right? And that's the kind of humility that he wants to live with so I will never be an expert I will always be childlike continual learner now I'm giving you that example because we had last weekend um, you don't know who these people are so don't be trying to think who was it (laughs) Um, there was there was we we turned to the side we prayed for people you know the whole church just prayed for people for five minutes oh share a couple of needs and have your partner pray for you Um, there's a, a man who was there um, started saying to some people that he was praying for, um, 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 uh, Romy's not an expert. <laughs> like, I'm literally quite happily not an expert, right? But this is what false humility does. Romy's not an expert. She's already said that. <laughs> so, 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 but I'm on another level on this, and you could use my help. So book an appointment with me, and I'll help you, and I'll do the deliverance for you that they can't do at that church. This happened in our church service last week. So, so, so you understand. You understand then how this can look. It can. So, so, so you understand. Be really happy to be called not an expert, because the person who thinks they are are going to expose themselves anyway. And then, and then, there's a Bible verse that says I should look it up. I wrote it down here. Romans twelve. No. Yes. Yes. Romans twelve sixteen. Um. Paul, Paul writes, he goes, he, be of one mind. Again, he wrote Ephesians, right? In Ephesians, in the first three chapters, is be, be of one mind over and over and over. He just pushes the unity and the oneness, right? So again, in Romans, just another book, that is, be of one mind. Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a theme for him. right? Be of one mind and with others and associate with humble people. And the reason he writes it is because we rub off on others all the time. We are rubbing off and we yeah. are learning things and what other, bring, other people bring into our life kind of starts to change us a little bit. And most of the time, if we're really all walking together toward Jesus, that we're helping each other do that really well. And that's his purpose for church family in the first place. We are all on the journey together and we are all walking towards Jesus, intentioning to get, you know, walking and becoming more mature in him, growing every single day. He wants that for us. He empowers us and enables us. And when we do it together in unity there's even a corporate anointing that fast tracks it right it's real this is biblical right but but it says here associate with humble people and so here's why i'm telling that story is because this man was trying to draw people away from him by saying they're not really experts at this thing right they're not really experts but i am and so the moment you hear that kind of a conversation i am the expert here just understand that person's just not walking in the kind of humility that we're called to walk in because it will come out differently. If he really can help better than me, and by the way, there's tons of people in the world that can help better than me. There's tons of people in the world that can do way more things way better than me. So I'm not upset by a comment like that at all, and we shouldn't be, but it does highlight what's going on in the other person's heart, and that is false humility, right? So, so, so have that discernment on all the time 
to be aware of what's happening around about you. Be aware of our own heart and intention in our heart to just really... Go, you can even pray prayers. I mean, it's a dangerous prayer, but I do it, do it. I have and do all the time. It's a dangerous prayer, but Jesus, make me humble, right? Don't be surprised then if you pray that prayer and then that week stuff starts blowing up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not that humble. <laughs> so, but Because God uses the people around about us to show us those things that he wants us to just give up or forgive others for or, or, or renounce off ourselves, right? And so it's, it's a good prayer to pray because it is one of the foremost attributes of God and it is what Jesus demonstrated, complete obedience is that, that hyper-aku, which is the hyper-listening, right? Hyper-listening because he wanted to be obedience to all the Father was saying, which meant obedience all the way to death on a cross right thank god he did it (laughs) so but um yeah so i'm gonna pray all right um thank you thank you for your demonstrated life of humility jesus thank you for what you demonstrated you call us into it and everybody in the room here is in different places and stages with you and and that is all okay you have so much grace for us god you have so much grace in in your heart and room and space for us and um and and and, and the child right the child the five-year-old child who's ripping open the present at christmas like the father in heaven when the child might screw up is not angry father He's like, oh, come on, we'll just put you back together, clean you up, stand you back up on your feet and run again, right? That's the grace. So, God, thank you that you're so graceful for us, with us. You're so graceful. You're so kind with us. And, but, God, I'm asking, do this work in our heart that it's the right and true humility in our heart. But, but it's from when we first start to really see you in the way that you are, the bigness that you are, the beauty, the holiness, the magnificence, the magnitude of who you are. You are, you are so big. And so when we can just start to really come and see you, how you are, it really sets in our heart, our right place before you. And so I pray that as we're praying to really walk in more humility, that we'd understand it from the place of you are our very good and gracious father who is kind and loves us and covers us and protects us and loves us. And then we can really walk in true humility. And so, Father, I pray that do that in our hearts, that we see ourselves rightly before you. In Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 